Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hey everybody, blessings to you and on you. I trust that you are well. Uh, Huge thanks to all of you who have taken the time to like us on our social media platforms. That is much appreciated. And uh, also huge, huge thank you to all of you who've helped to push our viewing figures uh, into the thousand Um, that's much appreciated. Thank you. And hopefully, uh, as you listen today, I can bring some inspiration, uh, revelation, insight, and something transformational uh, into your life and experience. Hopefully that will be the truth. I want to link together a couple of things today, but I want to start by talking to you about a statement made by the Greek philosopher Socrates obviously many years ago. This is what he said. I am wise, not because I know, but because I know I don't know. I am wise, not because I know, but because I know I don't know. Now, there's something paradoxically powerful about that statement. I believe that contained within this statement is the essence of the mystery that takes you beyond static belief to dynamic faith. If you don't grasp what Socrates said, you will always invariably and probably without exception find yourself spiraling down to the place of static belief rather than living in the heights of dynamic faith. The Christ of the Bible and the grasp of the truth about and around this is described by Paul in terms of mystery. So Paul is not using the words of Socrates, but Paul is using the principle that Socrates was driving at. But Paul uses the word mystery. When Paul uses mystery, he's really agreeing with Socrates that I am wise not because I know, but because I know that I don't know. Because mystery becomes an invitation into rather than the final statement of. And so when Paul says terms like, for example, uh, the great mystery is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not that you, by hearing those words, now know the mystery. You know what the mystery is, but it is an invitation into the mystery that goes way beyond just the statement of those words. And I wish that institutionalized Christianity would learn that understanding and it would stop us then always drifting to the downward spiral place of static belief as opposed to dynamic faith. And this applies to, I think, every arena of life, every discipline that you would get yourselves into. Now, I appreciate that none of this feels particularly good if you're someone who has a deep desire for permanence. And um, I can I can go there. <coughs> Uh, And yet finding it restores the enchantment felt when the child's spirit becomes reconnected with the realism of maturity. One of the problems with advancing years 
and perceived maturity is the invasion of realism. And the problem is that if you don't know how to quantify that realism and reduce it to its rightful place, the realism of maturity totally takes away the enchantment of the child's spirit. And when the enchantment of the child's spirit goes, the truth is you think you know because you know, rather than rather than being wise because you know that you don't know. But that gets that gets lost in all that. I love this word enchantment because he says so much about the spirit of a child. Children live in an enchanted world and yet um, we find ourselves, uh, if we're not careful, most of us, this says, in the realism of the world, we grow out of the place of enchantment. And so then we have to watch movies like Disney to take us back to that enchanted place that we once lived in. Now, to say that enchantment in a child is not real uh, would not be correct because the nature of enchantment is that to the child and in the child's experience and what the child is living out, it is very real and it is so real that it impacts upon every area and dimension of their life and thinking. And don't you sometimes wish you could approach situations with that enchantment again in your spirit? Boy, does it lift you? Does it empower you? Uh, does it relieve you? Does it release you? Of course it does. Uh, and yet, really, um, I think I think in the wisdom of what Socrates was saying, uh, it's in this realm of being wise because you know that you don't know. It's the realm of enchantment, really. It's the realm of mystery that Paul puts it. Uh, and when we can, if we can reconnect the enchantment of the child's spirit with the realism of maturity, we can come to that place of where we enter into mystery and where we're not afraid of a statement like, I am wise not because I know, but because I know that I don't know. Um, Jesus actually dealt with this in, in, in the Bible, Matthew 18, verse uh, 1 through whatever. He talks about this situation where Jesus is uh, with his followers and uh, his disciples, and uh, they're already, even at this early stage, uh, they're already trying to institutionalize uh, what's happening, to put it into some kind of structure, to, to fundamentalize it, to 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 institutionalize it to constitutionalize it and so we find them arguing about who is the greatest in the kingdom of course this is all to do with positional thinking and power and because they've totally misunderstood what this thing that Jesus was trying to create was all about and it certainly it certainly wasn't what they thought that it was and it's not what many people in Christianity think that it is today either uh, there's a topic in a conversation but Jesus said this, he, he, he brings into the circle a child and uh, he says, truly I tell you, these are words of wisdom, unless you change and become like little children. Now speaking this to people living in the realism of maturity, unless you change and become like little children, enchanted ones, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Your imagination, your, your ability to grasp mystery, your willingness to grasp mystery, your willingness to live in a place of knowing that you don't know, will stand in the way of you bringing into the, your life, bringing into this world the very thing that you are looking for and that you desire as that kingdom of wholeness and completeness. 
unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's a lesson, the enchantment of the child's spirit that we've so often lost. Now let's talk about one of the obstacles, possibly the greatest obstacle to our ability to embrace this. And it's that insecurity that comes through a lack of clarity as to one's true identity. And so we begin to try and invent an identity that we think will connect us to what it is that we are hoping is happening and will happen, just like when the disciples were saying, who's the greatest? They were trying to create and invent an identity. Uh, and that comes from an insecurity. Uh, so, so the insecurity that comes through the lack of clarity as to one's true identity. Now, um, I have my moments, uh, some of them not so good, but I was uh, sat in my usual uh, seat um, uh, just over a week ago, staring out of the patio doors into the into the the patio area of our house, and uh, I wasn't feeling that great. I was I was feeling insecure, unsafe, uh, incomplete, um, uh, in conflict in my own thinking, and a lot of it because of the realism of maturity. Um, I needed a little enchantment and uh, the interesting thing that enchantment came along. Now, you have to know a couple of things about me. First of all, uh, um, the way that I receive things might be different to you, but but I have understood through various means um, that, that um, one of the calls on my life, and don't get over spiritual with that, just something I know about me, is that I'm an icebreaker. I don't mean in conversation, you know, people talk about breaking the ice in conversation. I'm talking about icebreaker as in the icebreaking ship. An icebreaking ship is not a cruise liner. An icebreaker has a purpose and the purpose of that icebreaker is to break ice. It's to go and challenge and take on the, the frozen tundras of the oceans uh, where... There is no free passage for ships and people and somebody has to be willing to go into that frozen wasteland and begin to break the ice to create a path so that others can come through and follow. And that's been part of my call. It's been part of what I've tried to live by and live to and why sometimes what uh, our ministry and what people see of us is what it is because we're trying to be icebreakers, uh, not cruise liner. And uh, one of the other things about me is a, is a song from uh, the Disney movie Hercules, uh, which is Go the Distance. That's been important to me. I've sung it myself many times, um, but Go the Distance. And so as I'm sat there just kind of, um, I suppose, stewing in my own discontent um, and um, uh, my insecurities, uh, another thing that, that has happened to me many times happened. So uh, many years ago in one of those states, you got to think I'm a right basket case. Um, I was walking uh, down a local path here and uh, all these questions about my own identity, my purpose, who I am. Um, is there a God? Does that God still love me? Um, is there some interaction with me and whoever, whatever God is that has a purpose in life that I that I am living within something bigger 
than than what I was uh, feeling at that time. And and uh, it's the first time it ever happened to me. But as I was, I suppose, in 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 the deep, um, deep um, self doubt, uh, a white feather floated down and it floated down and it just hovered in front of me. Just amazing. And uh, and just just hung there to the point of where I could actually catch it. And yeah, you, you, this might be crazy. This might not be how you're spoken to. But in that moment, something happened inside of me. Something revived inside of me. Something came alive. In, and there was an enchantment to that 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 began to convince me again uh, of my own value, my own worth, my own purpose, my own connection with God, my my own journey in life and that has happened to me more times than I can count uh, since that day been in the weirdest of things I'd come in the house there'd be a white feather there on the on the on the uh, rug in front of uh, where I sit and crazy stuff like that but anyway point is this other day that I was telling you about uh, I'm looking at this picture of an icebreaker I've got a song going on in my head go the distance and uh, on a very very windy day uh, suddenly I saw this white feather blew down our drive we have a long drive the white feather blew all the way down our drive didn't go up didn't go down it came straight down the drive it went past our kitchen and it came right to the patio doors where I was sat and stopped right there it just stopped and hovered right outside the patio doors and it stayed there for what seemed like an age before gently just going to the ground which I uh, you know, on a windy day it was crazy. I was able to go out, pick up this light white feather and uh, I've saved it because it can be an icon. Uh, anyway, um, the point that I'm making to you is that these things serve as reminders of who I am. And for all of us, there are things in our life, if you will just be sensitive and pay attention, that are happening and are there to serve as a reminder of who you truly are. See, here's the problem. With the loss of identity comes a loss of purpose. And with the loss of purpose comes a loss of identity. So we finish up on this hamster wheel of if we lose our sense of identity, we lose our sense of purpose. If we lose our sense of purpose, we lose our sense of identity. And so it goes on uh, until most of us finish up a mess, particularly when that's happening in the cage of, of the realism of maturity. Now, for many of us, identity has been imposed by those with expectations of us. And that's a problem and I feel for you and I feel it's very sad. An imposed identity imposed by those with expectations of us. And with an imposed identity comes an imposed purpose. So it's not your true identity, it's not your true purpose. But that imposed identity comes with an imposed purpose and you finish up trying to do and trying to be what that imposition has said of you and too many of you are living in that place because of your own insecurities and because you think wisdom is that you know when actually wisdom is that you know that you don't know and it can break you free from that in the mystery. Now the problem is... When our identity is imposed by those with expectations on us and that imposed identity becomes an imposed purpose, all it ever does is creates weariness and frustration and disillusionment 
and wandering. That's all that will ever do. And until you break that cycle, you will always be weary, frustrated, disillusioned, and you will always wonder. And I'm trying to break that in you today. That there's, you know, again, in, 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 in the Bible, there's some tremendous wisdom that, that it gets taken and constitutionalized and we miss what it's really about. You know, religious people make it religious uh, rather than it being understood in the wisdom with which it comes. And way back in the Old Testament book of Genesis, chapter 13, this has intrigued me for a great part of my life. You have Abraham in chapter 12, who has been who has been had a revelation of his true identity. And that has led to to an understanding of a purpose but the moment that was challenged and hardship came, um, he lost his sense of identity and he lost his sense of purpose. So the thing was, he'd been told, you know, you're blessed, you're called, you are amazing, uh, you know, God is with you um, and, uh, you know, you, you are going to be a blessing to people uh, and I'm going to give you a territory and uh, the moment he hit, the way it's illustrated in, in the biblical narrative is that the most the moment he hit a time of famine, the moment there was a, a, a something happened that in his mind and view should not be happening to me. I should not have to face. This must mean that I'm rubbish. This must mean that God doesn't love me. This must mean that I'm, here's a phrase I'd love to talk about, out of the will of God, which is utter and total nonsense, the whole thing. But we'll talk about that another time. But you understand what I'm saying? This whole thing that makes us then um, self-doubting and insecure and judgmental and, and, and weakens us. Uh, you know, what happens, this this is Abraham now. So the moment that adversity comes, instead of staying where he was, living in the conviction and truth of who he was, he floats off trying to become what he thinks others may want him to become. And he finishes up in Egypt rather than where he's supposed to be. Now, Egypt in, in, in biblical narrative is always a, it's always a type or a picture of the place of where we get ourselves into slavery, into captivity, away from what we should be and bound by something that we needn't have been bound by, but we have become because we've moved to a wrong place. And um, it's while he's there that um, uh, this is where we pick up the thing in, in Genesis 13, verse 1. So Abraham went, went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had and a lot went with him. So now he comes, he comes out of that place that was the hamster wheel of uh, don't know who I am, don't know what to do, don't know what to do, don't know who I am. And this, this is what I wanted to draw your attention to. From the Negev, he went from place to place until. He went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, where he had first built an altar, and there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. What this is saying is that he went from place to place, he wandered to and fro, went from place to place, until he found his way back to that earlier marker point that signified a grasp of his true identity, and where out of that grasp of two ident true identity, he was able to live with purpose. Where did you lose your confidence? Where did you lose your confidence that made you go into an Egypt-type 
experience where don't know who I am, don't know what to do, don't know what to do, don't know who I am. Well, you've got to get back. Now, I don't know, you know, a place might signify that. I don't know what it is, a situation. But I know in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, within you, you have to get back there. Otherwise, you'll keep wandering from place to place in your thinking, in your mind, maybe in what you join, what you belong to, trying to find that place. But you have to come back to where the issue is, that one of true identity, when you can get back to that place where you discover who discovered who you truly are, uh, then what you do, your purpose will come out. See, with the received identity comes a rest which extends deep into or from the soul. And what he started out with was a received identity. I believe as kids we start out with a received identity. Some have awful childhoods that that very quickly is pulled out of them. Um, but as I've said to you that the the uh, reality, the realism maturity will also pull that out of you. And sometimes you just have to get back to embrace that received identity because what comes with it is a rest that extends deep into or from the soul. You can't miss the fact that you've discovered it again because the rest will tell you that you have. It's interesting, again, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What he was doing is take this yoke on you that, that helps you discover who you truly are, and you'll find rest for your soul, and you'll find that that yoke is easy and that burden is light. Um, unlike the one of that imposed identity and purpose that leaves you with weariness, frustration, disillusionment and wandering. So, so maybe, maybe I can only understand me in the light of a greater presence. Maybe. Um, again, me and my wife have this conversation about the anthropomorphic God. Do you understand that? It's where we have to see God uh, morphed into a form as in human form. Now, we, we have some interesting conversations about that. And uh, we, we're nearer, I think, than sometimes she may think that we are, and I may think that we are when we have these conversations. But, but I do believe for all of us, when we get out of dualistic binary thinking, maybe we can only understand who we are. Maybe I can only understand me in the light of a greater presence. And I have to be willing to let that greater presence, that mystery, be part of this process. If there is value in the gospel, in the good news, it has to be in the reintroduction of me to who I am. Now, I was raised in, in a Christian culture where the obsession was totally, and it seemed exclusively, about me knowing who God was. But nobody ever really drew me to, to the, the truth that I needed to fully understand who I am. Not just who he is, and I use he as a, a, a definer, not a, not a um, distinction of, you know, the God is male type thing. But the divine presence, that, that it was all about that. And, and, you know, there are streams of doctrinal conversation that, that, that make you worthless, tell you that you're worthless, when actually 
For me, as I've said, if there's value in the gospel, it has to be in the reintroduction of me to who I am. Perhaps the great wonder of the universe, get this, is not that I believe in God, but that God believes in me. I think for some of you, the great transition to rediscovering your identity and thereby being able to live with purpose is when you grasp this wonderful understanding that that God believes in you. However you want to define God, whatever the terminology you wish to use, I struggle with this sometimes because our audience is, is broad, but, but that you are believed in, that God actually believes in you and that his great desire is to get you to understand. He believes in you and his great desire is not just to get you to believe in him because the issue is the strength, the power comes when he knows when you discover who you truly are and then you'll be who you need to be unless you become as little children. It's that enchantment again of discovering and finding this. But I want you to note about this, that this this is never in relation to what you do. It's all, only and ever in relation to to who you are. Otherwise, again, that uh, realism will come in and you'll think that that you know it's it's all about what you do. You're accepted because of what you do rather than you're accepted and you are who you are. So discovering who you are is the greatest discovery a human being can make. It's that which releases you into being human. Human beings being human is the objective of this whole thing. Now, now I know you'll be wanting me to share the five steps to discovering the real you, the seven reasons you lost your identity, why getting a pot-bellied pig and meditating will change your life, or live, live the weasel life, not the eagle life, because eagles get sucked into jet engines and other such wisdom. Uh, but to do that would negate my opening statement. I am wise, not because I know, but because I know I don't know. It would suggest I can cure this transactionally rather than transformationally. And I can't. There has to come a transformation that comes through this recognition of identity and this security that comes from knowing that I don't know because you've discovered again the enchantment of the child spirit. The more we try to make sense of everything, the less able we become to find ourselves in the midst of it all. That's why spirituality is so necessary in the face of raw rationality. Psalms 46 and verse 10 is a, a favourite verse of mine. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. I find that hard. I'm a detached personality, but, but I'm a, a six on the Enneagram scale. And so I find it hard just in this to be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. Now, now, know that I am God is not I am wise because I know. It, that actually, again, if you put that through the filter of what Socrates says is amazing because to me, what it's, this is the very definition of I know that I don't know because to know the I am God is to know what you don't know because it's so much bigger and so much greater and we can't minimise it and make God so small that he fits within our structures and terminologies and doctrines and statements 
and constitutions and institutions. Be still and know that I am God is just another way to me of saying I am wise, not because I know, but because I know that I don't know. I am able to be still and know the I am God. So here's what I want you to do. Okay, I hope this is making sense to you, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to declare an amnesty. Now, you know what an amnesty is? An amnesty is when the fighting stops and you have made an agreement that the fighting will not continue, that you come to a place uh, of declared and accepted peace. So I want you to declare an amnesty. Now get this, A-M-N-E-S, amnes, your amnes. I am interested in your amnes today to make this work. You need to declare an amnes T. So you're going to declare your amnes in this amnesty. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to declare, I am not going to talk myself down, beat myself up, and wring myself out. I am not going to strive, driven by the imposed expectations of others and my ego self. I am who I am, an image of God. I will celebrate, not cerebralate, that fact. Now, I don't think cerebralate is a word, but it's absolutely brilliant because it says what I need it to say. I will celebrate and not cerebralate that fact. You know that cerebral is when it happens in the mind, when it happens in the brain. Well, you're going to celebrate, not cerebralate, because if you cerebralate, you're back in the position of the realism of maturity rather than the enchantment of the child's spirit. And I want you to celebrate and not cerebralate the fact. I will be still and know the I am God and that I am wise, not because I know, but because I know that I don't know. Is that the enchanted me? And I trust myself to that reality. I bless you. I love you. I hope this means something to you. And I'll catch up with you again when I've got something meaningful to say. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash Q Church York. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest. <laughs>